submitted for your approval or for your analysis. Three men, friends for years. Conversations about games and whatever they may think of. Is it all really they can talk about? Let's find out. They are now part of the Lunch Crew Podcast. Hey everybody! Hi everybody! No, no. this is uh, this is. Oh, five. that's right! I fell asleep through the last one. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No guest today because today it's going to be nothing but arguments. Ah, but actually, I do have a special guest. I'm going to go off script here. So let's introduce our special guest. Everyone, say hi to Patrick. Hi, Patrick. So, Patrick. We like to ask all of our guests three questions. And since we haven't asked you these <laughs> questions yet, what is your favorite video game? <laughs> what is my favorite video game? Wow, turning it right back around on me. Uh, gosh, it really does depend. What am I in the mood for at any given time? Okay, I'll tell you Kid Icarus uh, from the Nintendo Entertainment System. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What is your favorite non video game recreational activity? Uh, my favorite non video game recreational activity. It's a great question. And you do think being on our fifth episode uh, and asking a variety yeah, of other people. You would have been ready for this, right? I would have been. Yeah, you caught me absolutely flat footed on this. I'm looking at the script going, well, there's no script for this. This isn't uh, right. Yes, yeah, so I have a text file in front of me that is my special off script <laughs> notes for this. Episode. You, you noticed I deleted all that from the, the template. Yes, yeah, so I had to go back to the previous show notes to look it up. <laughs> Honestly, my, my favorite thing to do is to just build stuff and i'm not very good at building but just like you know i've, I've got a bus that i've turned into an rv I, i've you know we talked about how i make stuff for my gaming group it just feels good to be able to make stuff with my hand and it's a game it, it really is ultimately a game that has like a win condition which is you complete the thing you're set out to do and <laughs> well if, if you talk to my wife it wouldn't necessarily i complete it normally i get it 90 percent of the way and then she's like okay i'll do the detail work because i honestly have nothing but nine thumbs which are great for majority of the work but the detail stuff i can't do so that that's what i do to entertain myself fair enough uh there anything you're looking forward to in you know geek culture movies media <laughs> it's so weird hearing it from you <laughs> if you pay attention to these things today a game released called mutant year zero which yes. is a very interesting game uh kind of a an XCOM style squad shooter yep but it's wacky post-apocalyptic howard the ducky kind of stuff right not wacky per se yes there's funny things it's the the humor really comes about by the survivors and these mutants trying to figure out what exactly our day-to-day -day life meant and what the artifacts we use daily what they are it's a linear story though each map is designed and there's there's ways of doing things so I, i'm not sure so that's one thing i was excited about let's see red dead redemption 2 was something i was looking forward to and it's out now and year zero it's out now and i'm eventually probably going to get my hands on just cause four i'll wait till it gets on the 70 percent off sale in about a you know six months or so yeah and then uh i'm looking forward to christmas looking forward to christmas yeah when when right. this podcast will be released oh right yes <laughs> we'll see it's a, it's a it'll be a christmas miracle that's right 
I guess uh, by asking me what I'm looking forward to, we, we hit out all the things that are happening or coming up or anything like that. There's really nothing major, major. All the big releases have already happened early in December. So, hey, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Did you try Red Dead Online? No, no. The reason is not because I don't want to or anything like that. It's just because in the single player story, which is a phenomenal game, I got to the point where I just cannot stand one of the other characters. In the game. And you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to like this guy. You're, you're supposed to really see this descent into madness. And it's just so aggravating to see it happen. You know, the, the version of the main character, Arthur Morgan, that I've created, I really like. And to see him just get so marginalized following this other character around, is it's disheartening. Very disheartening. So you're saying you're not going to finish the game? Uh, no, I'm going to. There's a there's a heck of a lot left to do. Uh, there's a heck of a lot left to get into it. I just need to take that mental break. Plus, you know, I've got other games. I've been playing Fallout 76, and I've been playing Mutant Year Zero today. Uh, I got a lot on my plate. And we can probably hear you 3D printing in the background there too. So and yes, I am I am using my resin printer to print out a figurine for one of my uh, players who broke the one I previously gave them. <laughs> Well, okay, it's not necessarily their fault. The resin that I'm using, it's fairly broken. It's a clear, well, it's translucent. You know, in the smaller pieces, it can crack or break. If this one breaks too, then I'll just switch over to the darker solids that are much more manageable. Or you can tell them to super glue it back together. Well, that's what I told them the first time. But then, you know, I decided what the, hey, I'll just, I'll print another one. You can always just give them a ball of duct tape. This is your new character. (laughs) Carve out what you need. (laughs) Your, your new character is a gelatinous cube. Have fun. I, oh, I, I've printed that, actually. It's really cool. And with the translucent stuff, you can kind of see inside. It's a beautiful thing with a gelatinous cube. You can put the character inside them. Yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on with, with me. So let, let's stop boring Brandon before he goes back to sleep. So, so Patrick, mm-hmm. you have a mandatory gym story? I don't. And in fact, I actually asked uh, Brandon if he had a gym story that would be appropriate to today's topic. Well... Well, I did get a 2070. Uh-huh. Maybe there's a gym story in the future. <laughs> yep. Yes. For, for those of you, a 2070 is a video card, and Jim has a habit of playing Keep Up with the Joneses that he's been fighting with his his own 3D printer these past couple of days, and he's looking at upgrading to a very shiny Whistles and Bells in February. So have you been bragging, Brandon? I haven't. I haven't really been bragging. Uh, I've been too busy actually playing a, a particular video game, which we'll get into in unpopular opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing we have to do before we do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you like to do the honors, Brandon? Zelda. Zelda. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Brandon, I hear you're playing a uh, video game with your new uh, RTX, and that may or may not be optimized for. Is- yes, that's, that's very true. Um, the 2070 does not handle RTX well. Uh, not RTX, uh, ray tracing. It does not handle ray tracing very well. I guess for the audience, RTX, I believe, means real-time ray tracing. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, yeah. and that's just a fancy way of making things reflect off of objects in the world. In single player, it does a fantastic job, and it's wonderful. Um, oh, I'm speaking of Battlefield Five, by the way. Battlefield Five is a fantastic game, and I love it. But ray tracing is just not optimized for it. As of recording, the uh, NVIDIA drivers just came out yesterday for it and a patch was supposed to drop today but is actually dropping tomorrow due to some unforeseen issues which should hopefully increase ray tracing performance by about 50 percent. so hopefully i'll be able to use it online which i won't because going from 35 frames per second to about 40 frames per second is just not enough and i will 
get killed a lot. So I've heard motion pictures are only 24 frames per second. Why do you need more than, sorry, sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> I need those hundreds of frames per second because why not? <laughs> okay. Well, my popular opinion is a continuation of the last time, which is I still am enjoying Fallout 76. Uh, if you've been following what's been going on with Bethesda, they've been just having all sorts of issues with uh, just bags. They, they sold the $200 collector's edition. In that $200 collector's edition, you got a helmet and you got a bag. Now, the bag was advertised as being a canvas bag, a nice canvas bag. And it actually ended up being a not very nice vinyl bag. The basic reaction to people saying, hey, what's the deal was, oh, well, it was too expensive and we're not going to do anything about it. Shortly afterwards, they did something about it. But it was a slap in the face type of, oh, yeah, by the way, here's here's something meaningless. Uh, and it's an insult. And not five as, bucks. Five bucks worth of in-game currency. Ooh. Yeah. So, which here's the thing in a very short amount of time, you can earn those five bucks in game doing specific things. So, it, it was honestly like, oh, sorry, you know, doesn't mean anything. Here's something that doesn't mean anything and it really won't affect us on the bottom line anyway. But, exactly. But maybe it, it'll get you enticed to start using our online marketplace. Well, you know, the thing is, is that their online marketplace, it's just emotes and skins and it's nothing. Okay. It's not game changing. It's all cosmetic, which just is Barbie. fine and dandy. The skins, what I've noticed, because um, I do look through that shop from time to time, what I've noticed is that a lot of those skins are free in Fallout 4. So In Fallout 4, yes. I'm going to pay, you know, sometimes upwards of, you know, five, ten dollars for a skin that was free in the previous version of this game. Uh, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> I'm just not. See, this is where this is the unpopular opinion comes out. I'm level 54 at this point, okay. and I've got enough points earned that I could buy everything in the shop. Really? Yep. I mean, how many game hours is that? Is there a level cap? No, I there's mean, no level cap. What, what is what is that in reference to anything? Level 50 is the soft cap where you stop being able to put points into your strength, your perception, blah, blah, blah. But you still get perks and you can move stuff around. I've seen players who've gone up to 250, which is just insane. I'm enjoying the game very much. It has its issues, but it is a Fallout game. Uh, it is a Bethesda game, which always has issues. And Bethesda has for years looked at modders to fix. Modders are people who do stuff after the fact, add textures, add content for the game, volunteer or enthusiasts or whatever, you know, uh, people like, well, like us with skill, <laughs> which is not like us. Yeah, I about to say. So Bethesda has looked at at uh, these people to fix their problems and they have... They have in the past. Now, I don't follow that. I don't follow that at all. I mean, yes, traditionally it is a Fallout game and Bethesda games have always had issues. How is that an excuse for an online live service? I just can't get behind it with what they've been presenting to the consumer. I'm a Fallout fan and I don't want to play it <laughs> because it seems so broken right now. And the the beta that I played, it kind of was broken. It was fun with friends. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed running around West Virginia with you. I just didn't want to do it anymore. You understand? Absolutely. And the thing I think is very interesting that this brings us a great segue in today's topic, which <laughs> is what makes a video game bad? Right. We're not doing what makes a game good. We're doing what makes a game bad because that's how we roll. That's how we roll. Yes. I guess we roll that way.
true to our form, we want to ask our guests the second set of three questions that make up the three questions that are six questions that <laughs> I don't know. It happened that way. So, uh, Patrick, mm -hmm. what video game, board game, or tabletop RPG do you wish you have never played? Wow, there's. I could look at my Steam library. I've got a whole category there where I just toss games I'm never playing again. Well, I figured it would be a great bonus question for today's topic. There's a fantastic video game that I had a lot of fun with called Golf It. Unfortunately, I had more fun than anyone else. I was truly a griefer. So I will never play that again because of how badly I acted in it. So you wish you never played it? So I wish I never played it. I, I still remember Devin's screams of anger and fury. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I wasn't part of the Golf It crowd, so I, I missed all that. Golf It is like a mini game golfing simulator or something like that. Or I think a lot of those people are uh, are back on it because I think they released some patches yep. or something like yep. that recently. Well, yeah, they constantly add new golf courses and stuff like that. And it really is a fun game. It's very frustrating. And if you have somebody actively working against you while you're trying to do it, it's even more frustrating. Oh, certainly. Yeah. So uh, question number two slash five. What video game, board game, or tabletop RPG do you wish you could get around to playing? Shadowrun. The uh, Shadowrun video game series? No, no. I've actually played the, the video game series. Okay. No, I mean the tabletop. I just kind of love that whole idea. I should go back to uh, what game am I waiting for? Cyberpunk 2077 is one I'm really, really, really waiting for. But tabletop wise, yeah, I would love to get together a Shadowrun group and, and play something like that. You should probably mention that to Jeff. I'm sure you can make that happen if you want to do it online. I did. Uh, I did an online thing with uh, tabletop mm -hmm. using roll 20 i think it was yep just doesn't have the same oomph to it that uh actually sitting next to somebody in meat space i would have generally kind of agree with that so and it has to do with the audio side of it maybe it's different now it's been a couple of years so so question number three slash six what video game board game or tabletop rpg do you wish someone would make Okay, that was the end of the question. Uh, yeah, nope. that ended up really weird. That's What am I waiting for? I would love for that game that you and I started sitting down and turned into a card game. I would really love to see that come out, uh, which was a, a resource management slash exploration -y. fortress, exploration-y type thing. Yeah. With, uh, you know, kind of like Rim World meets uh, Dwarf Fortress meets... Uh, I don't Whatever, know if you can say space. Rim World and Dwarf Fortress meet because they're kind of the same game. Right, but okay, okay, okay. Good call. The the Dwarf Fortress aspect, Dwarf Fortress being a um, super super complex simulator. I don't know um, if it's comp. It's no, it very, is complex. It's, it's very detailed, and that's yeah. why it's complex. Right. Well, it also gives you great, interesting scenarios if you look at all the detail and then what happens because of the detail and, and rim world is the same way as far as that rim world would be i think a door fortress light in space meets uh firefly i think the game that we did would best be described as door fortress meets kerbal okay with a little bit of resource management and real-time strategy tossed in and with the concept of uh, a roguelike which which you know it's, it's 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 really hard to describe we never really got that far so that's kind of why it's hard to describe so. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. It still excites me, the concept that I had for this. And um, it basically, it's a dice roller. You know, you, you never know what the random number generator would do, will do to you. you. You may end up getting a game condition where you can't win. The only winning move is not to play. Global thermonuclear war. <laughs> How about a nice game of chess? Would you like to play a game? So does that move us into today's topic? What makes a video game bad? Is it nurture? Is it nature? 
Is it a angry step parent? What? I think it directly correlates to my skill in said game. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a friend who is like that or was like that. Or if there's a game mechanic that just feels ridiculous. It's completely unplayable. <laughs> completely unplayable. That's right. Like playing a heist game, and this is not my opinion. I'm just, you know, conveying it. For, for example, right? For example, right? if you're yeah. playing a heist oh, game geez. and there's kind of like two game modes of playing it, and one is like really minor, really. There's a, a specific conversion mechanic where you go from the first game mode to the second game mode. And so apparently that transition makes the game bad. <laughs> that was just the nature of the game. I actually enjoy putting masks on. So do I. To each of their own. But exactly. Actually, you know what? That is the statement that of the thing, though, is to come away from it to each their own. And that's really the thing. It's very difficult to say what makes a game good. It's not so difficult to say what makes a game bad. Well, there are some objectively bad game, like not even objectively, some absolutely bad games that have come out that everyone unanimously agrees this is a terrible thing. OK, Superman 64 was a terrible game for everyone involved. No one enjoyed that game. It was horrible. In our brainstorming, we talked about the Atari game E.T., oh, which, yes. by the way, I have a copy of that. Really? Sitting in my Isn't it, yes, isn't it like worth something now? It was worth more before they found the, the grave site. Oh. For those of you yes. not aware... The, um, the rumors were true. For those of you not aware, which, again, I'm not sure why you'd be listening to us if you weren't aware of this, but the Atari game E.T. was so bad... And so over-purchased, basically they, they prepped so many of these cartridges to sell and they just didn't sell because of how awful it is. They, they over-manufactured. Yeah. yeah, they over-manufactured. They ended up taking all the unsold cartridges and burying them in the desert in New Mexico. Now, it was an urban legend for the longest time. And then they recently found them and were able to pull a couple of the cartridges out. So, but like I said, it is less rare to have one in good working condition, which I have. So, And more recently... Aliens, Colonial Marines, or whatever that the uh, Gearbox game was that was just so badly broken. And there are those who would argue that, say, Overkill's Walking Dead is a bad game. And we had that discussion uh, a couple of episodes ago. It's not a bad game. But people perceive it to be. I think the press that it got, certain influencers not like the game, and from there it spread, if that makes sense. That touches a little bit also on the Fallout 76 conversation. Influencers didn't like it. Things that they gave a pass to in other games, they weren't. They said the buck stops here. Fallout 76 will no longer be allowed to make these mistakes that they've made previously. Right. So we've talked about a couple of broad subjects here, but let's let's dig into the nitty gritty. What really makes a game bad? Is it a game that we do not like or is it a game that is functionally broken and uh, to coin a phrase, completely unplayable? <laughs> huh. You know, that, that it's an interesting it's an interesting side. I think that one particular game can be an amazing game and also horrible. In my mind, that particular game is uh, Rocket League. I love Rocket League, but I also think it's a terrible game. <laughs> Rocket League, for those of you unaware, is a soccer game with cars. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You drive a car and you're in a giant stadium and you're basically punting a ball around. Yeah, exactly. I, I like the concept. It's it's a it's a fantastic playing game. I just I, I don't know. I, I hate the game. <laughs> it's not a bad game, but I don't like it. Yeah, I, I think it is a it's a good game for what it is, which is basically a you know, a, a spin on a a basic sports game, right? Yes. The things I really don't like about it are all the 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 meta stuff around it, the the DLCs, the, the cosmetics and stuff like that. The retail cosmetics. I don't mind free or you earn it 
or you know, hey, you log in during this holiday it's season. The and they give you, yeah, it's the loot box nonsense. That's not necessarily makes it a bad game. That makes it a naughty publisher. So the, the loot box issue, uh, we'll definitely have something down below for people who are unfamiliar with what loot boxes we'll are. We'll probably do a whole show on it. Uh, the loot box issue is a mechanic. And let's not get into mechanics just yet. I, let's answer Brandon's question. I don't think if we like it or not is a is a good indicator of if a game is bad or not. I think there are certain unalienable issues that make a game bad. And we can like a bad game. I mean, there are a couple of bad games that I have no problem saying, yeah, I like it. So Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, you for the Fallout 76, Walking Dead. I actually enjoyed the Atari ET game, even though it didn't make any sense. And I can tell you, there are probably other games on that platform and others that made less sense and were even worse, but they just happened that ET fell in the, the, the collapse of Atari and yada, yada, yada. Let's focus on what makes a game bad. We talk about what makes us like it, despite the fact that it's objectively bad. I mean, there are people who enjoy Superman 64 find one but possibly <laughs> that's the thing but they possibly like it because it is so notoriously awful there are a lot of sonic the hedgehog games that are also the same way uh though you won't necessarily find anyone who enjoys those um, um there are gaming masochists out there that will play anything especially if nobody else likes it like desert bus which is a uh pen and teller the magicians they created a game that allowed you to drive a bus from where was it ken offhand i don't i'm not sure but it might be like reno to las vegas or something like yeah, that Yeah, it's an eight hour drive in real time in real time and the bus has a slight alignment issue <laughs> it always kind of goes to the left in real time and so what these people do is they drive this trip wow uh for charity many people would argue it is not a game so much as a really weird walking simulator with nothing to see it literally is just desert it's a simulator so therefore ken i think you might be interested in it and i did try to get the vr release for it but i just couldn't get the controls to work and it, it crashed a lot and <laughs> it wasn't mechanically uh, a game that was working it does not surprise me that you actually tried it really does not i i just i just <laughs> wanted you to know <laughs> I think we can pretty much say any game that just functionally does not work. The game is broken. You you can't win it. For example, E.T., you know, the Atari 2600 E.T., or more recently, uh, some of our friends have been playing the most recent Bomberman game, which promised a bunch of multiplayer, but it just functionally did not work. And it's gone through patches. And I don't think it's actually ever worked better. Uh, I think we can probably all agree that a game that just does not work or is broken in that it, you can't win it or it literally is unplayable. I think we can pretty much all agree that those are bad games. Yes, that that is definitely those are the, the bottom tier. The game is delivered broken, right? Not just bugs with game ending, but, but broken, fundamentally broken or promise something that just doesn't work. Yeah, that's a bad game. Well, so on the subject of promising things, though, I think the most recent crowning example of that is. In fact, No Man's Sky. Oh. On release, they promised a lot. They got busted on it. It was very negatively panned. There was much hype about it when it came out. But that said, I have played it recently, um, like the last you know, six months or whatever, and I enjoyed the game. Well, here's the thing about that. If you take away all those promises, if you take away all the developer BS and you look at the game as it is, it's not a bad game. No, not at all. As it was when it was delivered. It was not a bad game. It was a little empty, a little repetitious, but it's not terrible. Yeah, the phrase I like to use is procedurally generated mediocrity. But it is a gorgeous game, and it has moments of just being absolutely beautiful and stunning. But the problem with that game was 
they promised the sun, the moon, and the sky and gave us a bag of dirt. And and everyone believed the hype. Right. Absolutely. So does hype drive um, your perception of what makes a bad game a bad? Hype definitely is part of it. And that's why I think, like you said earlier, you used the word uh, mm-hmm. influencers. And influencers are people who are tapped by developers or, or distributors or whatever. And it's not just in video games. It's everywhere. They use their social media, as, as I believe you, you explained it to me. They use their social media. They use their online presence to push or influence the opinion of of the general populace about whatever they're pushing the product or whatever. In this case, yeah, if they are pushing a specific narrative about the game and that narrative is not met with reality, yeah, okay, that's not necessarily a bad game, though. That's just a bad launch. Mm -hmm. If the game never comes to fruition for any of those features, does it stay a bad game or is it just overhyped? it's one of those things where you have to revisit later, like you did with uh, No Man's Sky. You revisited it later. They had time to add things, change things, and fix some of that perception issue. And it's a good game. If a game comes out and it is a good game, but it is handled so poorly that it destroys itself, Hellgate London, for example, something like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. The rollout, just everything, it just goes so badly. And it may not even be the gameplay. It may not be any of the stuff that we're going to talk about here. It may just be the environment around it, the social environment or or the marketing of it, whatever, caused it to fail. That's not the game's fault. That's the people presenting the game's fault. Certainly. Uh, and point of trivia, did you know Hellgate London is still going? Are you serious? Yes, I did. I did not. I thought it had closed down like two, maybe three years ago. So I think it's bigger in the Asian market right now than it is in the Western market. So... I think we can toss the idea that graphics uh, alone uh, make a game good or bad. No, no, absolutely not. The thing that it boils down to is that if the game is engrossing, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Because, uh, you know, we'll still play Atari games. We'll still play Nintendo games. People, The, the retro thing is so huge right now. Oh, yeah. People are going back to playing Nintendo, Atari, Sega stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Heck, we even talked about Dwarf Fortress, which is nothing but ASCII art and a steep, steep learning curve. Uh, is is that a good game? Yes. Is that a game I would suggest anyone play? No. Well, I wouldn't suggest nobody play it. I would only suggest a certain mindset of people would be interested in playing it. Otherwise, it would just frustrate people. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a game to just pick up and be like, I want to have a good time because you're not. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just you, like we said last you, week, failure is drama. And that's what Dwarf Fortress believes in. That was actually one of the first video games that I know of when it came out. Losing is fun became their motto. So, so here's something I'm going to say is a hard line in the sand. If the audio is no good, it's a bad game. Depending on the audio we're talking about, are we talking about mood music? Because I can get into just about anything with the right music. Oh my! So, <laughs> oh yes, Zelda soundtracks. That's that's the way to <laughs> to get uh, Brandon in the mood for anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. Th- that's a good point. And and are we talking soundtracks? Or are we talking about everything else? Everything, you know? everything from from background music, voiceover work. And I'm not necessarily saying badly done voiceover work i'm saying badly produced badly directed all of that uh like for example okay, so the most it's just just a complete mess yeah if you don't know what's going mess. on or even just some bad decisions for example and i'll bring this up as a triple a game the assassin's creed games they get some flack for having their character speak english with an accent and the most recently recent one the assassin's creed odyssey has the character speaking with greek accents uh but they sound like they should be ordering a pizza (laughs) (laughs) 
because you can play either as the female version or the male version. The male version, this voice actor may be a fantastic person, may be very talented, but unfortunately he was directed to play the character and he sounds like a meathead. He sounds like a typical 80s meathead. Nerds! Yeah, it takes people out of the game. It, it helps though that Cassandra is a much more, the female version is much more enjoyable and that takes you out of the game, the, the direction. Um, I would kind of agree Audio could be a big contributor and it can make or break a game if it, there's already other problems with it, I think, in my opinion. Incidentally, it is, in fact, the reason why I do not like Left 4 Dead 2. Really? Really? The whole audio foley's and stuff like that, they just drive me nuts. And that is the reason why I stopped playing that game really early on. I did not know that. That's very interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, 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 hey. You can't say that word. Absolutely. That's my word. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> nope, we're taking it back. Okay, so audio is kind of like a, a spice. If done right, it adds a lot. If done wrong, it takes the flavor away. It may not necessarily be the only reason why a game would be bad if uh, the audio is poor. Right? Is that is that is that a fair enough statement? That's a fair statement. Okay. All right. Now, music-wise, though, I, I do have to say this. In most, say, multiplayer games, I mute the music anyway, or I'll listen to my own soundtrack. A lot of the times when I'm playing a game, I have other background noise going at the same time anyway. So I'm not really listening to the music. The audio cues, um, say gunshots and stuff like that, if they don't sound right, then yes, they can kind of ruin, they can they can take away some of the weight of the game. And that's pretty much how I feel about it. Like, um, let me take Battlefield 5, for example. Um, fantastic audioscape. It is absolutely amazing. One of the best. The only thing I have to say that's bad about it is the female death cries are jarring, to say the least. Like realistic or just they sound out of place? They are very realistic. The first couple of times you hear it, you're like, holy shit. It's, it's somebody, is my wife being stabbed? What's going on? But then you hear some of the guy death voices and... They are the same way. It's like, holy shit. And then they they quickly turn to the ridiculous. <laughs> okay. It's weird. I'm, I'm sure there's probably a YouTube supercut of all the uh, death Oh, cries. I'm sure there is. Back to the point. The audio in that game is amazing. And yes, it does make for a better game. If it sounded like crap, then the game would actually be a terrible game. It really would. The spice, I think, is the best way of looking at it. I agree with Brandon. If the soundtrack's garbage... A lot of times you have an option to mute the soundtrack. For instance, in every train game ever remotely set in the U.S., why do they do that like bluesy rock? First thing I do, options, mute, done. I will tell you a game that gets the audio right, Red Dead Redemption 2. The sounds, the foley, it's fantastic. And that brings us into the next idea, content and story. I'm of the mindset that they are one in the same or story is part of content. All content is not story, but all story is content, that type deal. You don't necessarily have to have a story if you've got good content, meaning level design, uh, sound design for that matter, or the gameplay mechanics itself. If you've got that content, the story is secondary. For example, Destiny and Destiny 2. The story is a mess. They did a terrible job integrating it in-game uh, in Destiny 1. If you found anything for, for story, you had to go outside the game and look it up online. They delivered a phenomenal multiplayer aspect and a very pretty looking game that despite its flaws was still very popular and is still very popular. Destiny 2 is a still very popular game. If the content is bad and that is all those, all the above, uh, say level design, audio design, if that's bad, does that make it a bad game? Well, if there's no content, then there's nothing to do. So if you've got nothing to do in your game, you don't have a game. <laughs> it's it yeah then you have a bad game I, I would agree with that at, at 
But again, it's kind of a high level. Usually how many games get all of that all wrong and that's so painfully obvious that that's bad. There are a bunch. They usually make uh, the old like steam green light and then, you know, Jim Inquisition <laughs> can talk about them or whatever. But is can can you have can it's like a flat tire. Can you limp along with one of those being bad if you've got fantastic oh, yeah. level? Des- well, we already talked about you don't have to have a great story if you got all the rest. But say your level design is terrible, but you got a great story and you've got great audio. And you got there the was great- a game. There was a game that we played uh, briefly. Um, it was a survival zombie game miscreated once you established your base and once you had enough resources to survive there was there was nothing to do after that you know up to the the end game quote unquote it was an okay game once we hit end game then there was no content to do it became a bad game and that is exactly the reason i have problems with a lot of the survival craft type genre games you know the the arcs the conan exiles all that kind of game is once you reach a certain plateau, the only reason to do stuff is because you're like bored and, hey, I want to go see that, you know, corner of the map that I've never seen before because maybe it hasn't a pretty view or something like that. There's no real reason to play the game anymore at a certain point. So is it possible that what makes a game, and I'm going to simplify here, but what makes a game bad is a bad answer to the question, then what? If a game company is unable to answer the question, well, then what? What happens next? If they can't answer that question, is that dooming their game to being bad? You brought up the the concept of end game content, which means you've done all the, the leveling and then what? Then what? And you said miscreated doesn't do that. It basically gets to that point. You're all Uber. You're all set up. You're ready to survive. And then what? Nothing. So it's not good. Now, a game like State of Decay, which is very similar in many ways, it does answer that. Then what? And it tells you to move on, to move to the next place and, and mm-hmm. start over, basically. So is that is that the is that basically what it is? If a game company or a game designer can't answer that then what question, all the rest of the stuff, all the content, the audio, all that stuff can kind of go to the wayside if you can't answer. Well, there's no well, then what for, for, for a survival game like Miscreated, there's no real ending to the game you've no sense of closure, you you've no reason for being, essentially. So I guess you kind of have a point, but that kind of leads me back into story because the same thing could be said for Zelda. Once you're Uber in Zelda, you defeat Ganon, you still play or you can still play. So there's no, then what? You you just run around and do whatever it is you want to do and you have fun doing it. So there's still so much more. You're exploring. Yeah. That is That is an answer to that question. They They've said, well, there's still stuff to see. There's still stuff to find. There's still hidden things. So I think there's probably two cop-outs in this arena, right? In a game like Miscreated, it's, well, then you have player versus player. You'll have group A fighting group B, and it basically turns into a first-person shooter, but with these survival elements or whatever. I think that's a cop-out that a lot of game design uses to say, oh, the, the players will fight each other, and then that creates its own content. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. And if it becomes true, then you usually get fantastic game experiences out of it. If it's not, then it just falls flat and nobody cares. The other one is like you've won the game. You completed whatever the story is. You killed the big bad. And then and then what? Uh, you, well, you go collect wheels of cheese and put them in your house because that's what Bethesda thought you could do. <laughs> so, um, But I think that's different than Zelda because I'm not having played Zelda. 
uh, when you defeat mm-hmm. Ganon or whoever, you yes. rescue the princess, whatever it is, uh, are you presented with like a congratulations, you won screen? So it does present you with the cutscene and says, hey, look, you won. We can either ride off into the sunset or we can go over here and explore this place. Okay. Yeah. So that's different. That That is why that does not fall under that that trap, I think, is you've won the game. We're just going to let you mm-hmm. wander around the game verse. I guess it comes down to do you consider that content? just being able to wander around the, the you know, the, the game world. Well, it certainly does give you more to do. Actually, I have a question. Yeah. When has there ever been a successful, hey, the players will create their own content game? I'm racking my brain over here and I cannot think of one. Uh, Minecraft? Well, yeah, okay. I'm not really a big fan of Minecraft, but I think that would be the the shining common example of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, As far as that kind of stuff. I mean, because that was like, nearly 100% player-created driven stuff. That said, people came out, they released mods that introduced more story aspects and That's stuff true. like that. That's true. Minecraft. Uh, but yes, because. they are they are seldom because it is so difficult to build that critical mass of people that generate the content and, you know, so on and so forth. So essentially content is the essentially the cornerstone of your game and it determines whether or not your game is good or bad i would absolutely agree with that to steal a phrase from patrick absolutely <laughs> absolutely indubitably now <laughs> yes indubitably. Oh, no, no 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 we're not going to switch words every time it's, <laughs> it's absolutely that's our word yeah but it's even on twitter <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So I think that's a great way of wrapping this up, that, that content makes or breaks your game. You can have various levels of successful content, but if you don't answer certain questions and you don't meet certain expectations, you're going to end up causing your game to be no good. And a good game can actually be no good based on not even content, but marketing or something along those lines. I think marketing has less to do with it than, than just, say, content. Now, people can perceive the content in a particular way. One name that'll just blow this all out of the water, and then I'll give you two video game examples of marketing causing the game to fail. First and foremost, Peter Molyneux. Yeah, Peter Mollyball. <laughs> well known for over-promising and under-delivering, and most recently made a game called Goddess, which was nothing like anything he said, and it's not even a good game. I have that game. Yeah. With that said, our old friend... Will Wright... Will Wright did Spore. Spore was a game that was three games in one. And any one of those games would have been awesome by themselves if they had reached full potential. Again, over-promised, under-delivered. And the content for, say, Spore, that first minigame that you played, and unfortunately it was a minigame, was awesome. And then the second minigame that you played was awesome. And then the culmination of the whole thing was not awesome. And uh, as a whole, it was just not a very pleasant gaming experience. Hey everyone, Ken here. Just a quick note that you can find our website at lunchcrewproductions.com. There you can find our social media, Discord, show notes, and of course, subscribe to our shows. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Okay, so time for the super quick summary. Uh, The whole basic thing is, uh, what? What would you say the summary of all this is, Brandon? Bad games are bad. Okay. (laughs) How about you, Ken? Uh, To steal from... I think it's the publishing industry, like the, you know, the dead tree publishing industry. Content is king. Okay. I I agree with both of you, but I I think a game developer and game uh, creator needs to have answers to the question. And then what? 
And I think uh, all these things together make a game good or bad. And if you don't have answers and you don't have that concept, I think uh, your game's not going to end up being as good as you hope. I have a little bit of a rebuttal to that or a question. What about uh, Mass Effect Andromeda? Is it a bad game? Uh, no. But is it a Mass Effect game? No. Uh, but it's named a Mass Effect game. Right. But it's got the content. At the end of the game, actually not even at the end of the game, in the middle of the game, because it ends a little bit prematurely for my tastes. Then what happens? Well, I'm not exactly sure what you mean. I've I've got 90 plus hours in the mm-hmm. game and I'm very satisfied with it. Really? Unlike Mass Effect 3, where I stopped right before the ending because... Um, but spoiler alert, there's a, 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 there's what two ships that you have yet to find. I thought it was like, you know, going to continue. But no. And then what? You went around the galaxy. You didn't find the the other two ships. Right. They were supposed to be DLC from the game designers. They had the answer to, and then what? And that was pay more money and we'll tell you. We we have a whole episode about why Mass Effect Andromeda could have been the world's best game in the whole wide world. But because of how the developers handled Mass Effect 3, Andromeda was going to fail no matter what. I mean, we could we could argue about that for hours. This is supposed to be the wrap up. But the (laughs) answers, the answer to that question was planned. And then what? They had that plan. So but that said, there is no answer to and then then what exactly in canon. So does that make it a bad game? You don't necessarily have to tell the end user what the answer is. But you have to give the idea that you know what the answer is. And especially if you're not doing a sandbox per se, but you're telling a specific story with a point A and a point Z and anything beyond Z, you have to give the impression that you know and then what. This is not lost where you make it up as you go. This is not television show where you've told your story and they're like, yeah, but now you get another season like Supernatural. No, this is (laughs) you got to give the idea that you know the answer. And so it's more about the perception that someone is under control and they are doing something and you just hang in there and, and they'll, they'll show you what you need to know. Right. Let's get to our lightning round. Cause we're going to draw this out for another hour. And that's going to mean another yep. three weeks before Ken get it all edited down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's name a bad game for the Atari. Just any old one because you know, we already named ET, but uh custard's revenge is a classic. Also bad example. I don't recall any games for Atari. Uh, I think there is an Indiana Jones and the Razor Last Lost Ark one that was just absolutely ops- awful as well, but I can't remember it. I may have just been too young to play it. Okay, so let's name a bad game for the Nintendo slash Famicom. Zelda 2. Oh. Really? No. A Zelda game? <laughs> it's not bad. No, it is. I thought I thought you were in love with Zelda. I love Zelda. It was like Zelda meets uh, uh, Castlevania. Zelda meets a game that's not Zelda. Not a good Zelda game. Bad um, game. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Wow. I'm I'm stunned. Okay. Uh, name a bad game for the Sega, if you know any. I don't know any Sega games. Uh, Sega. Yeah, no. I didn't have a regular no. Sega. Okay. All right. <laughs> name a bad game for the PlayStation. There were so many. Do you have one? <laughs> uh, Daikatana was... Uh... Wasn't that a PlayStation game? Yes, that was a PlayStation game. Oh, yes. All right, we'll go with Daikatana. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good one. For your amusement, everyone, audience included, Wikipedia does, in fact, have a list of list of video games notable for negative reception. <laughs> oh, good, 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 because we can toss it to you, Ken, uh, once we come up, once we fail to have anything for the next one, which is the Dreamcast. I didn't own a Dreamcast either. I did, and... Uh, uh, yeah, okay, well, that answers my question, which was going to be 
who actually owned a Dreamcast. I, I did. I tra- I traded a PlayStation for it actually. Why? Um, okay, fair enough. And and I got the PlayStation by trading a Nintendo sixty four for it. What? That's a story in and of itself. I'll save that for another. So anyway, uh, I can't think of any. There were tons. There were really tons and tons and tons of games for the Dreamcast, and I know there were a mess of of awful ones, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. So uh, can you name a bad game for the Jaguar? Yeah, isn't that that one with the sleepover thing? Lumber party. So, yeah. Was that yep, like a Leisure Suit Larry full motion video game or something? What was going on there? It was an FM. It was a full motion. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. was a full motion video. And it right. was, uh, yeah, you had to set up traps and protect a bunch of sorority girls. It's kind of like oh. uh, Five Night at Freddy's back in the okay. bed. Days now, now I remember hearing lighting. about that at the time. Yeah, because I did have a friend with a Jaguar at the time, and we played a crap load of that. Uh, the Aliens, the AVP game that was out for it. Was, yeah, which was, was apparently game. really good. Yeah, that was not a bad game. Uh, let's name a bad game for the Xbox. Halo. <laughs> Besides Halo, I know. Oh. I'm, I'm... <laughs> um, there was some trooper game that I. No, uh, was it the one with like the the blue guy who's yeah. all like. I don't know. For some reason, I thought it was Ice Rogue, Rogue, Rogue Trooper. Trooper. Yes, that was a horrible game. That was the worst game I'd ever play, played at the time. And apparently, they're doing a remake of it. Amazing. Okay, weird IP remake, but we'll go with it. All right, uh, the worst game for any Nintendo product. Uh, Superman 64. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, I will go with that one. Name of uh, the worst game for any Sony product. I, I think the... the um, the biker one, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's bad games out there for the, the Sony stuff. And finally, name the worst game for a Microsoft product, and that includes PC. And if you say Halo... <laughs> I don't like Halo, but I think there are way worse games, not including like early access trash stuff. Blood and Bacon. Blood and Bacon? Yes. Look it up on Steam. Have you actually played this game? or I own it. <laughs> okay. So, it, it was 20 cent on a steam sale one time i bought it and i felt one lucky <laughs> listener will win themselves a copy of this game <laughs> if you post in the comment section on our website that you want to be entered into this and this there's you know since this is early on and we have all of six listeners if that um we'll let this one go until we finally choose a a, a winner so blood and bacon will be given away because it's the worst game that we can think of. <laughs> That's fine. Fair enough. I, I I hate to do it to you people, but you deserve it. All right. Well, you may be a lucky winner, my friends. So looking at our Steam curated page, which I curate, um, I reviewed Blood and Bacon. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, nice. okay. okay, good. Good. So, all right, everybody. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you got to learn a little bit more about me. You got to... Uh, listen to what we consider uh, makes a good game or not. And you got to hear some of our personal opinions on uh, on games. And you found out that uh, Halo is apparently a bad game. You guys have any final remarks? Yes, I think Mass Effect 1 was the best uh, Star Wars game that was never released as a Star Wars game. Uh, I've never played Mass Effect 1, so I don't know. It has a pretty high bar to cross. Um, I mean, Knights of the Old Republic. Is it's uh, it's, it's Coder 3. It is totally just Coder 3. You know what? I think this is a great place to end it this week. You guys, we'll see you next time. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye.